Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Holcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the executive director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Holcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft, professor and director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Good morning and welcome to Awaken. I'm your host for the morning, co-host... Uh, collaborator, whatever you want to call me, Mark Holcraft with Dr. Joe Holcraft. Uh, good morning, Joe. Great to be with you another Wednesday morning, brother. It is. It is. Uh, as usual, I give you the weather report from a balmy Fargo, North Dakota, where they drove in. You know, I was honestly expecting it to be warm, and I was talking with our producer here, Eli, who shares in my sentiment of Fargo has a bittersweet sense of humor when they call nine below warm. But, you know. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, my so goodness. Nine yeah. below as we pulled in, uh, and then, uh, but both of us were expecting, you know, today's high is supposed to be right around 30 degrees, um, wow. which is, which is nice. There you, you know? go. Uh, so we're, we're holdouts right now. We're holding out. <laughs> You're warmer than us, Mark, at 30 degrees. If that's your, if that's your high today, I think is we're going right? to 21. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah, I think we're three degrees or four degrees right now. Anyhow. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I was showing up. Oh, I was showing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, on that. What nope. did Awaken talk about this morning? Oh, the weather. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, we're waking up. We're waking up, baby. No. <laughs> so, <clears throat> well, let's let's go ahead and we'll pray and we'll dive into our topic this morning uh, based on the scripture of Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Uh, on that note, though, let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gift of life uh, and how you animate within us that gift of life. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that you have given each and all of us. Lord, we pray that you would anoint our ears, that we can listen, listen with not only our ears, but listen with our hearts, that we can grow closer to you and that we would encounter you, Lord, through all things discussed this morning. We pray for all of our listeners. as well as for Joe and myself, that in this conversation, uh, all of us, we've drawn near to your most sacred heart, Jesus. We pray all this through the intercession of Our Lady, your Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son. In the Holy Spirit, Amen. So, Joe, as we, you know, as we prepare for these shows, one of the kind of fun parts is okay. What do we give? What title do we give it? And, and of course, you, we we draw right from Scripture. And so, um, I've kind of deemed this morning, "Seek and you will find," um, mm-hmm. which of course is a snippet to uh, to the Scripture. Um, and again, it's just we continue to roll with what are the questions that Jesus is asking. You know, whether it's in response to someone asking him a question. And so, for our listeners, Joe, I'd like to just take a moment. Let's read the scripture for them. Give them a sense of, of the context, because there's, there's so much here. And I, I was excited, mm-hmm. excited about where you and I were going in our prayer and in our conversation. So, taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, we start with verse 7. 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which one of you would hand his son a stone when he asks for a loaf of bread, or a snake when he asks for a fish? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts for your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? So Joe, ask, seek, knock. Um, these were the words that really were, were standing out, and I'm, I'm excited to dive into this with you, Joe. Yeah, I mean, Mark, this is a passage that really we can spend multiple programs on. And maybe I've said that before, but there are some texts where, man, that is more true than others. Yeah, I suppose we could start off by just making the statement that it is natural enough for to ask uh, for us to ask for things when in need, right? Um, and, and something to observe with this text is that by the multiplication of near cinnamon, uh, synonyms, right, ask, uh, seek, and knock, the Lord is communi- uh, communicating and commanding us not to give up hope when our prayer apparently goes unheard. Um, and, but even underneath that mark, there's something going on with these words, ask, seek, knock, that they are imperatives in the Greek. What does that mean? Well, in the Greek... It speaks, it speaks to this kind of uh, continuous, uh, continuous motion. So it's just not, you know, ask, seek, and knock. The English language maybe could better translate this as uh, keep on asking and it shall be given to you. Uh, keep on seeking and you will, you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. So, you know, just with that alone, we can begin to appreciate that, yeah, the Lord is commanding us not to give up. A hope when our prayer goes unheard. So, I mean, really, when you think about it, Mark, uh, this this begs the question: If if God is so good, why does He make us wait? And maybe we can also add: Why would He make His children go hungry when His children are at rope's end? Because when we go to God in prayer, this is typically where we're at, right? But a careful reading of this passage. Uh, helps us to better understand that it's less about God, the giver, uh, so to speak, but uh, about me, you, and all of us as receivers. What do we mean here, Mark? Well, let's look at this text closely. If the good father does not give his child a stone when he asks him for a loaf of bread, or a snake when he asks him for a fish— what does that father do when the child demands a stone and a snake for his, for his nourishment and will have nothing else? Well, as we pose that question, Mark, we have to offer up some kind of answer, huh? I mean, the good father will allow the child to go hung, uh, hungry or perhaps even to approach starvation before with uh, witnessing the, 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 the grotesqueness if you will, of a stone diet yeah. or a bite from a poisonous snake inflicted by his demented child right, <laughs> on himself. So this is why we read verse 11. And really what this question, what this program is about, what do we read? Your father in heaven will give good things to those who ask him for them. Uh, in our pregame huddle, Mark, we were talking about 
one of my favorite theologians, Mary Caucus, and to all you listeners out there, you don't have to remember that name necessarily, but he's one of my favorite theologians, and he's really the scholar uh, on, on the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, he says, in light of what we're talking about right now, Mark, that in heaven where the Father dwells, there is no store of evil, that God is utterly poor in evil things. He has none to give. No matter how insistently we demand them of him, he can't give us evil. So his point there is sometimes, and certainly this gets into the text, that what we ask for is not in line with God's will. What does all of this mean, Mark, in the end? Well, we have to have a better sense of prayer. Now, we spent how many weeks, Mark, talking about prayer and intercessory uh, prayer? Intercessory prayer, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no doubt some of this subject matter taps into that, and, and so I don't want to rehash all that, but I do want to make a few points here. That first and foremost, prayer corresponds on the part of man uh, and on the part of God, right? Uh, God's desire is what? To give. What must then our desire be but to receive? And ultimately then to desire God as much as God desires us, that our desire ought to match God's desire. In the end, our yearning to receive must be as intense as God's yearning to give. That's really not only what's at the heart of prayer, Mark, but spiritual life in of itself. I mean, you could say the, the totality of the spiritual life is caught up in this truth that we might desire God as much as God desires us. Now, the second piece here, and what is equally, if not more important, is that we must submit ourselves to the long process of waiting. <laughs> this is another very important piece to this text, of repeating our request day and night. Don't stop asking. Don't, don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking. That long process that is so difficult for us. But what is difficult, Mark? The silence. So what we have to understand here is that silence is actually the response to our prayer. Well, what do you mean by that? Right? That, no, silence is actually God's word. God's word telling us to ask harder, seek more, and knock down the door by this continuous motion that, that again, the, the imperative, the Greek imperative speaks to. But also this, in the silence, we might allow God's very life to be infused into our hearts, that our desire becomes God's desire, perfecting our imperfect prayer. So, Yes, I know it might be difficult for some of us to hear, but this text, Mark, is offering us something very, very important. And here we might get into a little bit what we talked about uh, in the past with respect to fervent prayer, because that's the prayer that doesn't stop asking, doesn't stop seeking, doesn't stop knocking, and understands the importance of silence, because fervent prayer comes out of a profound union of desire with God. So amen to that. Well, indeed, Joe, when, as you were talking about prayer, especially in silence, you know, I'm reminded of St. Augustine. He gives us some insight into that. You know, one of the pieces of insight Augustine gives us is in, in prayer, as we petition our Lord and we come to the Lord with, 
with our intentions and with our thoughts, uh, if we feel like he's being not responding, his silence is not absence. But in many ways, that silence, it's really the Lord is listening to us, but in that waiting, in that waiting disposition for us, St. Augustine says, God is allowing our hearts to expand. Our hearts are being made to expand in that waiting process. But then, and this is, uh, I appreciate Augustine's um, straightforwardness. He also says, in regards to patience, patience is waiting. Not passively waiting. Passively waiting is laziness. But to keep going when the going is hard and slow, that is patience. And so within that silence, um, Augustine's reminding us, God is very present. You know, what, what father or what parent, when they're with their children, as their children is asking for many things, you know, whatever that asking comes in, whatever they're asking for, sometimes a good mother or father, and I'm reminded of this, you know, sometimes maybe even, even in the silliness of maybe some of those requests, the best thing for me as a dad is to not answer it right away, but even allow to allow, you know, any of my kids to maybe hear their question, to hear themselves. And maybe even sometimes yeah. I'll even say, do you hear yourself or is that what you really want? Do you know what you're asking for? But sometimes it's just, especially if they know my facial expressions, <laughs> they, you know, it's in the silence that they're made to encounter what is deeper. They're made to encounter a deeper truth. Uh, what is really speaking to the reality really asking themselves, is that, is that what I want? Is that, and is, is this what I really should be praying for? Lord, please take this suffering yeah. for me or Lord, give me the grace to accept what you're going to give me, you know, and mm-hmm. however, whatever form that takes. So I, it's, it's so important. And Joe, we're not that far from Lent. We're not that far from Lent. So as we, as we talk about waiting and being made to, to wait, to be patient, mm-hmm. to persevere, um, I think there's some there's good stuff for us here uh, to prepare our hearts to prepare our hearts. We just we're not that far out of the gift and the joy of Christmas, and yet the wisdom of the church calls us back. You know, kind of a uh, brings us back, if you will, to like okay, we celebrate, and now we're going to enter into a time of of uh, being made to wait, preparing our hearts, entering into. A, a kind of oneness of suffering with the Lord. Um, not that that's necessarily where we were going, but, but in silence, sure. in silence, uh, we are made to, that's where, and as you were saying, there's that deeper encounter with our Lord in that silence. And so we come and we, we continue to come, as you say, uh, asking, seeking, knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, don't stop. You know, it, God is not a one and done moment. Where, yeah. well, I asked him, and I didn't get anything. That, that's actually more rare than it is true that it's one and done and move, and move forward. More often, it, it is. And we see, we see this in the persistent widow. You know, and Scripture reminds us the persistent widow, mm-hmm. how she keeps coming, and she's, she's bothering the judge through the night. And the judge, I mean, again, I, I laugh because I think I can probably more relate to the judge as far as being impatient. Um, but... Through the persistent widow, uh, the judge, who in this case is the one who is going to give what this widow is asking for, it's her persistence that eventually yeah. uh, comes to its its end to get what she's been asking for. Yeah, amen to that. 
as you speak to the always more mark and, and the importance of, of being persistent, it's to remember that, again, echoing St. Thomas Aquinas, who said, the more I come to know, the more I realize how little I know, that there's always there's always a gap between the person we are and the person we ought to be. And that gap is is pursuing who, who God is calling us to be, right? Which certainly um, the persistence helps. Right? Yeah, <laughs> the persistence yes. in, in pursuing God. I, you know, we talk about God's silence. Um, I'm thinking of, of Revelation 8, chapter 1. Um, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. I think about that, Mark. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, what did he find? The great silence of heaven resting over the world. Which is to say, Mark, before the oh, before the immensity of the infinite, there are no words. But there's only wonder, there's only adoration, there's only silence. God is expressed in the silence. Which which means what? We're talking about God's silence. But but what about our silence? Right? <laughs> you know, we, we, you know, we're kind of using this interchangeably, but there are two distinctions here. God is silent. God is expressed in, in the silence. But what does it mean for us to be silent? You know, silence does not mean only that, you know, no no word is spoken, Mark, or or, or no sound is given. When you think about it philosophically, a rock does that. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> the intelligence Rather, of a rock. No. Yeah, <laughs> right? Rather, what we've been given is a will. So silence is is more than, you know, the absence of noise, maybe in its noun form. But it's a virtue. Because it is that which takes place when Mark, you and I, and all of our listeners, after speaking, might return to himself and grow still. We can say that that silence is he who could speak remains still remains quiet. We can say then only he who can speak can be silent, if that makes sense. Well, it, it does indeed. It, it, what I hear you saying and what it calls us to is a submission of the will. You know, earlier you talked about our desire is to match God's desire. Well, because we are willful and fallen in so many ways, what is that? that so that part of that silence, that... <laughs> The irony is that act of silence is to resonate our will to God's will, resonate our will, what we want, but not only just what we want, not just our wants, but even the motivation to surrender that. You know, I say resignate to resign, but maybe to surrender would be the more appropriate word there, Joe. Sure. Uh, surrender sure. our will to the Lord's. You know, and, and what, what we are willing, what we desire, what good that we desire, very well could be good. I mean, it could be, it could be authentic, true, and holy, and authentically good before the Lord. Um, and yet the Lord was going to want to refine that. We need to surrender. What are we attaching that to? You know, what are our hopes and dreams? Maybe there's something within those hopes and dreams that uh, is not within God's perfect will. And we need to silence, as you said, our will, our hearts, you know, the wheels are, you know, the wheels are turning. We come to prayer. Sometimes it could take, sometimes it could take 15, 20 minutes, a, a half a day 
to really silence our hearts. Joe, we got to take a break here. We'll come back in just a moment to continue uh, asking, seeking, knocking, and what the Lord wants to say through silence. So stay with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join us on Wednesday, February 2nd for the 13th annual Know Your Faith competition as Catholic schools from Fargo, East Grand Forks, Minot, Bismarck, and Dickinson compete to find out which school really knows their faith. Live coverage from Shanley High School in Fargo begins at 11 a.m. Central, plus streaming via Facebook Live and YouTube. The Know Your Faith competition broadcast on the Real Presence Radio Network is sponsored by Lunseth Plumbing and Heating, Therapy Solutions, Production Service Agronomy, Fisher Industries, Flex Furniture and Appliances, Advanced Collision Center, and Outdoor Comfort Solutions. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Thank you for staying with us on Awaken. Quick note, if you did not catch the first segment and want to catch the whole of Awaken this morning, uh, you can certainly, uh, by the end of the day, today or tomorrow, jump on to Real Presence Radio and uh, pick up either on the app. You could tune in to the podcast of Awaken from this morning, uh, Seek and You Will Find, episode 20, um, something like that. I'm not positive how Eli uh, marks them up there or how he labels them, but I think you could look for that, something along that line. <laughs> so... Uh, we're, we're talking about silence this morning, or that's where you're picking up here as we engage the scripture. So Matthew 7, in particular, verse 11, when, I'm sorry, verse 7, when uh, Jesus asks us, he calls us, for everyone who asks, <clears throat> excuse me, asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Asking, seeking, knocking, within all these, there's a kind of disposition of fleeing before the Lord. And it, and it calls for a silence. And Joe, I know you wanted to uh, kind of wrap that up because there, there's, well, you just wanted to wrap that up and I'd, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, so 
in the end, Mark, what we are made to see is that silence is not necessarily refraining from speech. Rather, it is, we could call it an, an interior condition of the soul. If, if God is expressed in the silence, then the reality of God can really only be found in the silence. We often say that uh, you know, through speech we have communion. Well, God's speak is, is about silence, right? Um, and putting it another way, as we speak to silence as a virtue, <laughs> if our interior cell phone is always busy, then, then how can God call us? Right? Mm. God is a reality that is first communicated in the silence of our hearts, the center of man himself. I think it's paragraph 2563 from the Catechism that says, you know, only the Spirit of God can make the heart fully known to us. Mark, and that takes place again in the silence of our hearts. What the exhale is to uh, the spoken word, the inhale is to silence. And so as we breathe in God, take in God, inhale God, if you will, we do so by virtue of quietly listening to him. And oh, by the way, when that happens, right, it's an invitation to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's the keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And yes, bang down that door. which is the heart of God, right? Yes. Allow him in. Yes. Allow I, him in. Well, and, you know, I, I'm thinking of, you know, our listeners. Well, so what about, you know, for prayer, you know, because we're, we're speaking beautifully, you're speaking beautifully about silence. Um, you know, I love that you said that silence is the interior condition of the soul, you know, and so how do we allow the Lord to condition our soul uh, and to breathe into our soul? I, there's so much there, just rich in thought and rich even in and of itself to, to sit with and to pray on before the Lord. Um, but for a lot of our listeners, okay, like this is good, but it's so hard for me to be quiet. It's so hard for me to slow down. You know, we have a lot of these one minute meditations now, which are good. They can be good. Um, there's a lot of these, you know, uh, 40 day retreat spanned out to six months um, as we just take these little nuggets uh, because of the busyness. And while to some degree, um, it's acknowledging, it be acknowledge our business, but for some to enter into prayer. I know there are many people who might do personal prayer or the prayer on their own, and they'll listen to some music to get them started. And they'll listen to, or they'll, they'll dive into scriptures. Uh, they'll dive into their own meditations, their own ref- there's spiritual reflections, these different uh, books, whatnot. They could be journaling. There's all good things. But I do think a lot of them, while a lot of these forms of prayer can lead into, uh, or it, it can engage a person into that dialogue with the Lord. What I have found, Joe, and what I read from a lot of the saints, and we'll discuss this even a little bit later with our saints, the saint of the day, if you will, um, is a lot of them are pointing to, but to really dive into the interior interiority of God. Mm-hmm. You're going to be led to that place of silence. You know, maybe you, there's a couple of songs you listen to at the beginning. Maybe you dive into scripture. But it is in the silence that you might, you move from a sense of meditation uh, to contemplation, right? And it is that, that deeper oneness with the Lord. Sure. And, and Mark, if I may interject, and I know we're going to move on to another piece here, but I, I can't help but think of, you know, our own courtships, you know, with our spouses. Yeah. 
I mean, how many times have we found ourselves just looking upon our wives and their beauty in the silence, right? Nothing was communicated. Maybe we went out for, for dinner um, and before we're ordering or after we've ordered, you know, you, you just find yourself just looking at your wife, right? Adoring your wife. This is what we do in adoration and we do it best in the silence. In, mm-hmm. in the silence. And so silence is courtship, right? It's the silence is courtship. St. John Vianney says, he looks at me and I look at him. <laughs> you know, that's, exactly. That's all it is. And, there, and there fosters an intimacy. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I, mm-hmm. um, there's a friend of mine uh, who loves to speak uh, when, he, when he talks about intimacy. He breaks down to wor- the word because when you experience you know, the greatest and deepest intimacy is going to be with Jesus. It ne- may not necessarily be with our spouse, as you were saying, but that intimacy. But then you break down that word kind of phonetically into me see. Yeah. And we yeah. allow the Lord to see us. And again, that, that greatest intimacy. And I love the image you use because I do. I do adore uh, Meredith, and there are times when she is awkward, made to feel awkward because <laughs> she notices that I'm just looking on her, not in any irrational way, but in a way that's there's a sense of awe of God's goodness. Um, and that's what I hear you, but yet it fosters the intimacy. So, in, even in that sense with the Lord, mm. um, thank you, Joe. Amen. Great, great insight. Um, but you mentioned briefly the word earlier of, of a virtue, you know, and, and one of the words one particular virtue that really transitions so well and connects to silence, partly because it requires silence to, to live in it is the virtue of prudence, Joe. And as we were talking, and even with this scripture uh, in particular, verse 11, if you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? And it was the virtue of prudence that stood out to me uh, from that particular verse. You know, and I think as we were talking, part of that is because Jesus makes a reference to parents, you know, uh, in that if you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children. And this is the very practical application in the immediate of my relationship to my own children. But then also, of course, Jesus (laughs) really, uh, in a certain sense, you know, I said calling out, but then last, last week when we were talking about Awakening two weeks ago, it was more of the calling into, right? Yeah. Jesus yeah, calling yeah. us into and these, these good gifts to your children. I, so, I had gotten an email on that, Mark, from someone somewhere in Minnesota, I, I think. Oh, is that, that right? Evidently, it led, it led to a very important journal for them. So that was, that was good to hear. <laughs> I was, absolutely. No, I, I love it. It reminded me to stay focused on not the calling out, but the calling into. Yeah. Because again, as we spoke to it, that's what's going on. Well, and, and we could play on these words calling into, again, the interiority of the heart, the interiority of the yeah. soul. And that's what we're, yeah. calling, we're calling people into, a deeper interiority with the Lord. Now, oneness with the Lord. So, but and yet, we can have all these wonderful insights and the Lord speaking to our hearts, and yet we're sinful people. And yet we still know how to, to do what is good. We still know how to give good. And yet there is no better giver than God himself. Right. And so... How much more, if we know good, how much more will the Father give good things to us who ask him? Um, it, it drew upon, like, again, it's such a gift to be a dad, to be a husband, because it gives profound insight. It's, it's, a, really, it's a really humbling thing. Because um, then to be reminded, 
so quickly, and yet I'm a child before the Lord. I'm a son before the Lord. And so when I go to the Lord asking for things, sometimes ridiculous things, to then receive some of these requests from our children, and we alluded to this earlier in our first segment, Joe, mm-hmm. how then do I approach the Lord? How then do I receive my children? And you talked about that, how we receive, and we're made to receive. The word that kept coming up is to be prudent. Um, and that prudence requires silence. You know, what, but I think to dive into this, Joe, can we offer just a simple definition of what prudence is? Yeah, so prudence, uh, the, the prudencia, it means uh, foresight, sagacity. So sagacity or sagaciousness is acute awareness. Sagaciousness, uh, so Joe, hand, that's the word of the morning. You got to break yeah, that open. <laughs> sagaciousness, yeah, sagacity. I love it. Acute, I love that word, acute awareness, to be alert, sober and alert. So uh, <clears throat> the idea, Mark, in principle is that, and, and this is how Aquinas speaks to it, at least in a, in a piece, that when you talk about acute awareness, you have a sense of, you know, the decision I'm about to make has implications, right? So it, it's making a decision, a decision with the end in mind. Um, and also it is a pronouncement then also of your conscience, right? So that the con- our conscience is the law inscribed upon the heart. And the more our hearts are conformed to the law of Christ, we are more prudent, right? We Our pronouncements um, are more aware of, of what's going on. This is this speaks to the importance of studying the law of God, studying moral theology, studying revelation. The more we do these things, Mark, the more our hearts conform to the fullness of truth. And our will, right, our will then <clears throat> makes these pronouncements that reflect God. And all of this, of course, is ordered to our salvation, right? All of this is ordered to our salvation. I mean, the passage itself, Matthew 7, chapter 7, verses 7 to 11, the reason why in opening I kind of reflected into the stone and the fish as I did is because God would rather rather have us go hungry than, than eat what is spoiled, right? And, and here I'm talking, you know, stuff from the devil, Right, uh, because in the end, it's about salvation. Again, it's the Philippians two twelve moment. We are called to work out our salvation, fear and trembling. So, what's this business of asking for things that don't belong to God? I mean, are we asking to, you know, give me give me the six numbers to win the three hundred sixty nine million dollar jackpot? What kind of request is that? <laughs> you know, right, that could right. be poison. Um, and now I know a lot of our listeners are like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have prayed that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Um, but again, this is, all comes back to silence because um, what then happens is the silence, Mark, actually forms our prudence. Right? If, if prudence is that sagacity or acute awareness, making decisions based upon, you know, that deeper sense of what is right from wrong, uh, you're you're applying the, the gift you've been given in reason, as well as your form, you're going to the new knowledge you might have, so as to make the right decisions that you might draw closer to God. And drawing closer to God is to draw closer to what? Revelation eight one, <laughs> silence, <laughs> where where heart speaks to heart. So um, yeah, prudence is. There's a reason why it's a cardinal virtue. 
right? And and I don't want to spend another 15 minutes on prudence. And there's a lot, lot there uh, when you start going into the church fathers and the great theologians like Aquinas and Bonaventure and others. Right. But right. it's to say, you know, as a cardinal virtue, um, all all of the virtues hinge, right? Cardinal actually translates in the Latin and means, you know, hinged upon. Um, so cardinal, uh, or rather prudence, as it's the virtue of, uh, the key virtue of decision-making, um, is a hinge. Incidentally, and rightfully so on your end, Mark, as you were led to bring it up, um, do we then better see uh, the importance of silence, <laughs> right? Um, and, of course, as fathers, uh, making the right decisions, making the right decisions as parents out of silence. You, you were saying something earlier too, Mark, it's about, you know, the gift of fatherhood has kind of shaped your sonship. I love the line from um, Superman when he's looking upon his son and he says, it is in becoming a father that I better understand what it means to be a son. And I've always thought that that line is the essence of divine sonship. Mm. And as fathers, we've been given a profound, a profound gift, a prism, if you will, from which to better understand what it means to really be a better son, an adopted son of God by virtue of our baptism. And then how, that fulfills an aspect of who we are, right, in, in, uh, as fathers, making those decisions as fathers, communicating uh, our fatherhood to our sons that they themselves, when they become fathers, whether it be spiritual or bio- biological, will in turn better understand what it means to be a, a father and son of God the Father. If you followed all of that, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I am. I, I As you're speaking, Joe, what I'm mindful of is, or what it, what it calls to mind for me is really being a father, being a dad, uh, really by the grace of God, was an, it was an act of mercy from God. He's using mm-hmm. our fatherhood to teach us to how to be better sons. You know, um, Proverbs 15.5, I was just brought to that too. As you're talking, it, it offers a really quick line, which is not surprising to Proverbs. That's kind of what I like about Proverbs is, you can literally read one verse and actually feel like it was speaking to you. Uh, and yet, you know, it's great uh, poetry, if you will. But Proverbs fifteen five: the fool spurns a father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. You know, and so this is just tying mm. into that relationship, that paternal, mm. that fatherly mm. relationship. But the importance, you know, how fatherhood is instructing the sonship, you know, and really the most important sonship that you and I will ever be brought into, invited as adopted sons, you know, and adopted sons and adopted daughters, you know, in that daughterhood to the father, it would be the same for mothers, right? In that their motherhood, of of course, course, it, it, how they engage that shapes their daughterhood to the father, you know, Mm -hmm. and as you're talking about how we conform our hearts to Christ, well, the more, we conform our hearts and allow our hearts to be conformed to Christ, then our hearts are also conformed to the Father. Yeah. In which then the Father and, cannot turn down the Son when we yeah. come to Him full circle with these requests, when we, when we seek, mm. we ask, we knock. Yes. Uh, Joe, what, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I, I do, but I know we're, we're, we're almost out of time. I, I'm just going to make the point that um, the most important vocation we have is that we are sons and daughters of God. So sequentially then... In God, do we then learn how to better exist for other in the state uh, or vocation that God has given us? 
And so as one, as one forms the other, then as that's, as that is lived out, it reveals uh, more um, who we are as, as sons or daughters of God, whether it be again, us as fathers or our wives as mothers. Amen, Joe. We'll, we will end there for our break. When we come back, we're going to talk about who our saint of the day is. So stay with us on Awaken. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. One of the gentlemen who works with the high school students, I came to the faith through the radio station. Oh, he uh, awesome. uh, he kind of was was he he said more or less he was an atheist, didn't have any working faith at all, and he started listening to the radio station just out of curiosity at first, but then he found the answers compelling. You know, he had this impression that religion really didn't have the answer to these meaningful questions. And he would flip to the radio station and he would continue listening because he was intrigued by the answers. And he would listen more and more. And eventually, after several months, he said to himself, I don't have any more hang-ups. I don't have any more objections. I don't have a coherent reason at why I'm not Catholic. Wow. But just like you said, when you're in your home, you can turn on the radio and get those answers that you're thirsting for. And he did. And it started with Real Presence Radio. Did you know you can listen to all your favorite local shows like Awaken and Real Presence Live on any podcast platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Amazon Music? Just search for Real Presence Radio on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future. And don't forget to give us a good rating so others can discover the shows. Listen to your favorite RPR shows anytime, anywhere by subscribing on any podcast platform. Just search for Real Presence Radio today. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken with Dr. Joseph Holcraft and myself, Mark Holcraft. We are your hosts this morning, and we've had great conversations so far, talking about silence, the virtue of prudence. If you're just tuning in and you say, well, that's great, <laughs> but it has been great. Uh, so, but this morning at this part of the show, we, Joe and I, we, we have a love for the saints, um, and we know the saints have a love for us. Um, yeah. And, and in, with regards to all that, we love highlighting the saints because they really show us what this calling, call to holiness, what this call to sonship, of being sons and daughters of God looks like in this world. Um, in a world that can sometimes feel crazy, erratic, irrational, the saints help pave a way. They help pave a way to see what the way looks like uh, in Scripture. This is where we see the first Christians called the way. And Joe, I have to say, it was your suggestion of today's saints when you said it that immediately I was drawn in. You know, and I'd like to say that. Uh, you know, oh, you said the saint. Oh, yeah, I'm in. But when you mentioned Louis and Zelie <laughs> Martin, 
uh, St. Therese of Lisieux's parents, I have to say, um, I had to hold off <laughs> and not just right away say, yes. You know, I was like, oh, let me just sit with that. I mean, what am I going to, let me sit with that for a second. But really internally, I thought that that's an anointed, uh, anointed, uh, just, just a suggestion, you know, um, especially as I was reading over the scripture and just praying in, in the word that came to mind was prudence. And, and here we are talking about parenting, Joe, right? And, and how our fatherhood and our, uh, for our listeners, motherhood shapes our sonship and daughterhood. Right. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me, but Louis and Zelly, I just want to give a little bit of insight. And for our listeners, one of the things that was difficult for me to translate is, okay, this is the holiness of Louis and Zelly. This is their life. They weren't holy because of Therese. But certainly the, the life of Therese of Lisieux points us to, if you're observing her and the things she shares of, in her autobiography and her reflections, like, well, who were her parents, <laughs> right? And she talks about her mm-hmm. parents, um, but you can't help but wonder, you know, that kind of life has got to point to someone who was helping along the way. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly then we see Louis and Zelly. And Joe, what I found as I was uh, really diving into Louis and Zelly is the same question of their parents. Um, so just a little background on Louis and Zelly. Louis is born in... Bordeaux, France, southern France, August 22nd, 1823. He grew up Catholic. He was a faithful Catholic. His family was. His dad was a military man, a captain in the French army, uh, as well as and his mother was, was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, Louis loved the Catholic faith. Um, he, he grew up, but also he grew up in a very, I'd say rather normal, and it sounds funny, but normal interest, if you will. Like, you just don't... All the saints have that. You just don't think of it. So Louis loved to fish. Uh, he loved to play pool. Apparently, he was quite good at billiards and playing pool with his friends, um, which I just, that's just cool. I was reminded of Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. You know, I feel like some of those uh, everyday kind of fun things got popularized, or we saw that with uh, Pierre, for, Pierre Giorgio. But then here with uh, Louis Martin, um, played pool, fished, he grew up fishing. There was a stream by his house. He loved it. That was kind of his prayer time. Uh, he also grew up with, between his mom and dad, developing a love for Mary. Um, when he, as a young adult, he wanted to enter a monastic life, but the monastery uh, declined him. They refused him. Said they said no. So that's a little backdrop on Louis Zeli. Uh, Zeli also from France. Uh, his, her father was also in the army, but he retired from the army and was a policeman. Uh, and her mother, uh, Zelly's mother, uh, was a stay-at-home mom, but she was also in lace-making. And it was a very, very refined kind of art and craft in France, uh, making the beautiful lace work, whether it was for weddings, for house, uh, house items. Um, she was quite good at it. Uh, so Zelly grew up with one brother, one sister, born in 1831 and died at a relatively young age of 1877, in 1877. Um, she too, Joe, Zelly was looking into the religious life and wanted to become a sister, mm-hmm. and she was refused to enter the religious life. And so these two would eventually meet as young adults. Their paths would cross uh, Louis and Zelly uh, to be married eventually July 12, 1858, 
Um, they were actually married at midnight, which I thought was, that's just way cool. Like, you don't hear that. Um, I don't know that I would have wanted to be married at midnight, but I just thought that was way awesome. <laughs> um, but in, in uh, how they met is they met crossing a bridge. They did not know each other. Um, there, it's said that maybe the mom, uh, Zelly's mom, may have set them up. But they were, which I love it. It's like, see, mothers-in-law, it doesn't change. It's great. <laughs> um, so I love the humanity. And there's, there was a little bit of a, it gives an everyday feel, as, as I was reading about uh, Louis and Zelly. So Zelly says this, though. It was in the interior of her heart. She said when she passed by Louis the first time across the bridge, she noticed him. And there was this interior voice. That said to her, this is the one I have prepared for you. Hmm. And she never forgot that. Hmm. Um, and so it's so interesting because as I'm uh, reading this and praying with it, I'm kind of struck by, gosh, okay, Louis refused to enter monastic life. He grew up in a strong Catholic household. Zelie's refused religious life. And yet, so he, she walks by him. So in God's plan, his no is a yes, right? And yeah. so than to say, this is the one I have prepared for you. The Lord is watching, uh, ever watching and just preparing our hearts. Um, they get married in 1858, and their marriage, while very happy in many ways, also is accompanied with a lot of suffering. They had nine children. Four of those children died before the age of six. Um, and we can go into some of the, the stories, because with every, you know, we're just, I'm just doing a quick summary here but I'm fascinated by the story behind it, but for the sake of time. So uh, as they started to grow their own family with the nine children, four dying before six, so five of these uh, of their kids growing up, um, what the children and the sisters in particular, so at this point it's, it's five girls, what they are being raised in is a Catholic household Strong, deep devotion from their mom and dad, being Louis and Zelly, with devotions in particular to Our Lady. Um, and one of the things I thought was fascinating in their devotion, uh, they had a strong devotion to Our Lady of Lords. Um, so that was just kind of cool because that was fresh when they lived. Like, okay, that, that was not long. <laughs> so they had a strong oh, devotion sure. of, to Our Lady of Lords. And then also to St. Francis de Sales. And Francis de Sales. Um, I'd have to go back to see if we've talked about him, but he's just a mensch. He's, he's incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, yeah, no, we haven't talked about him yet. And so in just regards to the spiritual life, and in particular, again, I'm fascinated because Francis de Sales, one of the things he's known for is how he was ministered to uh, uh, wives and mothers and just family households, his spiritual insight. Anyhow, I digress with Francis de Sales, back to Louis and Zelly. Um, they, but, so they made a decision in 1871 in their marriage. Uh, Louis finished his time as business as a watchmaker and went full-time to on the business end of Zelly's lace making. And the girls developed this trait too. So but what I was struck by, Joe, is both, both for Louis and both for Zelly, as they were growing up, their parents at different times in their life made decisions to move their family for the betterment of their children, for a better, either a better education in Zelly's case and in Louis's case, uh, the parents just felt it's a time to transition, kind of get out of the city and move to a more rural place, more space for their family and really mm. more peace, Joe. And so, and for, for Louis, and this is where Louis and Zelly in the, the beginning of their marriage, 
they first lived in Louis, with Louis' family. But then later on, after deep into Louis and Zelie's marriage, they made a decision to move into a space that had a little more, uh, I don't want to say that, kind of the country of Alençon, France, a small town. Uh, it's just interesting what motivated them, their selflessness uh, as parents, but it was a witness that they had from their own parents mm-hmm. in really putting others' needs before their own. Mm-hmm. Amen, Mark. Yeah, and I mean, gosh, there's so much there. <laughs> there's so much there. I, I've got I've written down as you were talking about six, seven different things. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. Um, you know, let me just first say this. Uh, Louis and Zelly were made to wait, right? You talked about the yes behind the no. To every no is an immeasurable greater yes. Behind every no is an immeasurable greater yes. And so they themselves were made to wait. We were talking about the waiting and, and the silence. So... Uh, yes, they were told no in each case that they it was not God's desire to, to enter religious life. And certainly that was going to, that was their prayer and, and that was their plan. Um, and they were told no. So they were made to wait in silence. And one has to believe if, in fact, as she spoke to it and we believe or Zelie heard that that voice or that interior sense. This is the one I prepared for you. She was able to hear it because of of the silence in her hearts, right? She was communicating with God. Um, is, is something else here, Mark, about the family, as you highlight the parents coming from military background, that is very important. Something you see yes. in many saints, uh, and, and often in the saint themselves, in each saint uh, himself, is that they are either have a military background or tied to the military in, in some way, shape, or form. That's important because, you know, military, they have very fixed schedules, right? Um, there is a structure to their day. Um, what's happening today in 2022, and, and this certainly is what Cardinal Seurat highlights in his book. I wanted to make sure I put in a plug in for, a plug in for this book because it's, so, it's such a beautiful book, um, The Power of of silence against the dictatorship of noise. He, he talks about how, you know, we just have so many distractions that it's very hard to turn down the volume, right, in our heart. Um, so what he's talking about there is all of this busyness that we've created, and we don't have a sense of schedule. We have no concept of time management. So, gosh, silence, that's the last thing I'm thinking about. I need to be entertained. I, I need to go on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or so on and so forth. So we've lost that sense of schedule. We've lost that sense of purpose in our day, right? And what you find in military families is that sense of structure, is that sense of purpose, yeah, is that sense of this, yeah, discipline, what we're going to do at this point, at this time, um, and, and we're going to do it with purpose, Right. Um, discipline, right? Discipleship. That's one of the first steps of discipleship. So as we talk about, you know, Louis and Zelie and and the families they they come from, we ought to be mindful of something very human, something very practical, that no doubt they had a a deep understanding of what a, a good sound schedule must have looked like. Now, of course, they were a beautiful family of prayer, so it was more it was more like an orarium, you know, in that household where there was a rhythm. You know, their their day were, uh, was set to the pace of prayer, to the rhythm of prayer. 
Um, and it just afforded them to, to, to be uh, more quiet, more silent. And, and that's an, an important piece to highlight because, again, it, it's something we see in a lot of saints. They have this military background. St. Francis of Assisi talked about this very thing. Um, Benedict Sixteenth was in the military. When he talks about silence and he talks about discipline, references his time in the military and, and what he learned. So um, all very relevant. And no doubt, Mark, too, as you talk about what they experienced often, Often in the spiritual life, when we experience a trial, suffering, um, pain, we tend to, to go within. We, we, we tend to draw ourselves to the heart, to the interior life, and we suddenly become reflective. If we are a people of faith, a person of faith, then when we do that, when we draw within, we will be silent so as to Better hear, uh, better hear God, right? Um, and again, no doubt, in the case of uh, Louis and Zelie, uh, this was taking place um, in their times of, of suffering. They are profound times of growth. And so what you see in their narrative, in their story, is uh, one very fine point after another into how to better understand um, what it means to be human, no doubt, but also at the same time, a person and people of faith, right? Um, because all of this is in lieu of the great faith they had in God, um, and one that was, as you so rightfully highlighted, one that was handed on to them from their parents. I think it is something that is a great point of encouragement for us as parents, not just you and I, but for our listeners. You know, so many of our listeners are parents, they're grandparents. Um, they've been you know, beat down in some, some degree and trying to pass on their faith to their kids and to their grandkids. Um, so to be encouraged, and that's one of the things I take away from this morning with Louie and Zelly Joe, is uh, not just the witness of what they grew up in, but then what they in turn wanted to pass on uh, to their children. And we see the fruits of that in that, you know, the five of the daughters went enter into religious life. Does that mean all of our kids need to enter religious life? No, not necessarily... But a lot sure of it, does, Mark. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, kids. Exactly. We just gave away the yeah. agenda. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, kids, did you hear this morning's program? <laughs> Joe, we, we got to wrap up our show, and it, I was like, can you give us a little snippet into what we're going to hear in, in a couple weeks? Yeah. So, uh, in two weeks, we're going to um, be talking about prophecy. And, you know, Jesus offers up a, a few very important questions that we need to be thinking about as it relates to what, you know, how to, how to um, test a prophet and how to better understand prophecy. God bless you. Have a great week. Talk to you in two weeks. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.